Good morning. Today's reading is Matthew 5, verse 4, and I had a go at memorising it. So, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This is the word of the Lord. There's a great movie called A League of Their Own. And in the League of Their Own, it's about an all-women's baseball league. Tom Hanks is the manager of that league. Now, Tom Hanks is a drunk and a ne'er-do-well, and really this is the only way that he can get back into baseball, the love of his life. And he's hoping that there will be some success with this so that he can then transfer back to the major leagues where real baseball is played with men. Now, these women were great baseball players, and it's an amazing story, and if you don't know it, you should go look it out. But there's this classic scene that takes place in this movie where one of the girls makes a mistake out in the field, and Tom, being the manager, yells at her, and she begins to cry, and she can't stop crying. And so she, in, he, in, in his aggravation, says, What are you doing? There's no crying in baseball. And you feel for her. And you want her to have compassion. You want her to be comforted. And all that Tom can think of doing is to say, there's no crying in baseball. I feel like that's how we live our lives sometimes. That there's pain that comes in and suffering that enters. There's places where we make mistakes and we feel shame and we just want to be comforted. And there's some cosmic being screaming down at us. There's no crying in life. And maybe it's for you not some cosmic being, some big thing that's out there, but you definitely hear the message from the world, right? Buck up, be a happy camper. Turn that frown upside down. When you smile, the whole world smiles with you. (laughs) Not true. But I know this, when I frown, definitely everybody thinks something's wrong. And I just need to buck up. Get it back together. Because there's no crying in life. We don't have time for sorrow. You see, the world has created a place that it is all about pleasure and about comfort and about getting what I want and being happy. That's what's so unique about this beatitude. Some people translate the word blessed as happy. So happy are those who are sad. Happy are those who mourn. The word blessed might better be translated for us like this, approved. See, that word blessed is something that is given or bestowed upon somebody. It's something that is given as a gift that says you are important, you are worthy, you are approved. And so here Jesus again looks at the world and says, the world looks at things this way, and I'm going to shift it and change it. I'm going to be revolutionary and come in and say, no, it is not the happy who are approved. It is not those who deny suffering that are approved. It's not those who hide behind a smile that are approved. It is the ones who mourn 
they are those who are approved. So what is it that we mourn over? What is it the things that cause us to mourn? Well, if you live life, you can name plenty. Right now, you can think back through your week and go, I received bad news about this. You can think back through your week and say, I had a relationship that was hurt in this way. You can think back through your week and think, there are people who are dying all over the world by a great virus that's striking, and not just that virus, multiple other sicknesses and calamities that are hitting. Why wouldn't I be sad? Why wouldn't I mourn? And that's right. See, we mourn because the fallen world exists. We mourn because perfection does not happen. We mourn because sin entered into the world and caused havoc to take place. We mourn because bad things happen. And the response to bad things is not to push it aside. The real true response to bad things that happen is not to deny them. The real response when bad things happen is to see them for what they are, to acknowledge them as hurtful and bad and destructive, to claim them, call them out, and then to mourn. But it's not just those things, those outside things, that cause us to mourn. Because Jesus is talking about a both and here. If you remember last week, we said there are some physical things that are happening here and there's some spiritual things that are happening in here. Blessed are the poor or the poor in spirit, that we deal with both the material and the spiritual, that there's actually no separation, that they're brought together here in these beatitudes. And so he says again, blessed are those who mourn. Well, the world is hurtful, And there are places for us to mourn in that. Death happens and takes people that we love away from us. And we should mourn in that. We lose jobs and we should mourn in that. Relationships break down and we should mourn in that. Those are all physical things. But we also mourn because of spiritual things. See, if we're poor in spirit, we recognize that we are without, that we have to move to God, that there's no way possible for us to save ourselves, that sin has come into the world, and not just the world, but into my own heart, and I have this deep desire to be my own king, to sit on my own throne, to rule over my life, and in doing that, I bring destruction and bondage to myself, and I mourn. When I was being discipled by a man named Richard Siegel, he looked at me one day as we were spending a week with him, and he said, when's the last time you cried over your sin? I have to admit, I said, I don't know that I've ever done that. You see, because what I like to do is go, but I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. And that's true. But if I don't see the wickedness of my own heart and how it breaks down relationships within me and with others and with God and even with the place that I live, if I don't see that and mourn it, then I'm not approved. I don't receive the blessing. But in looking at our own hearts and seeing our own wickedness, and I know this is not a pleasant thing to hear, we also begin to recognize the brokenness of the world and the sin that reigns there. And that that sin causes there to be breakdown in society. 
that there's systemic injustice that takes place because people elevate themselves over others. And so we can mourn that as well. Our first response when we see injustice is to mourn because mourning brings us to the point of action. That's within our own sin, and that's within seeing the sin and the systemic injustices that happen in the world. When we mourn, we call it truth. We say that it really is, because the world doesn't want us to mourn. The world just wants us to put on a happy face. And they've created many, many ways for us to do that. Some are chemical. Some are liquid libations. Some are relationships. Some are two dots on your phone so that you stop forgetting and not think about the hurt that you've experienced. It's that favorite new show that you have or that great novel that you read that takes you away from the real world, that lets you not engage in the pain that is there. It's the ability for us to shut out relationships that are hurtful, to say, I just don't need that anymore. It's bad for me, and I'll set a boundary, and I'll walk away from it. Sometimes we do need to set those boundaries. But often, when we set those boundaries, when we decide to break off a relationship, it's because we don't want to enter into the hard place of suffering, of mourning that there is brokenness in this world. Are you feeling happy yet? Blessed. Approved are those who mourn. Why? For they will be comforted. In Isaiah 61, God wants us to know what he's thinking. Now, Jesus knows Isaiah. He knows Isaiah 61. And so he's not completely jumping back here when he says blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted but we know that it's in the back of his head and we know that he's the author of these scriptures and so listen to what he says and know that Jesus picked this particular passage when he proclaimed the beginning of his ministry he says this the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and to open the prisons to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and to grant those who mourn in Zion to give them the beautiful headdress instead of ashes the oil of gladness instead of mourning the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit that they will be called oaks of righteousness the planting of the Lord that they may that he may be glorified you see Jesus is saying blessed are those who mourn who are those who mourn they are those who are hurting they are those who recognize their sin and the sin of the world. They are those who are captives. They are those who are poor. They are those who are brokenhearted. They are those who are in prison. He says, but I have come to set all those free. I've come to heal all those wounds. I've come to make everything broken and fractured whole again. And so because of that, you can mourn knowing that you will be comforted. 1 Corinthians tells us this. 
Paul so good, I mean, 2 Corinthians, sorry, tells us this. He's so good in reminding us of who Jesus is and how he does this for us. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercy and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which is we ourselves are comforted by God. Now, when we hear this call that those who are mourning will be comforted, it's real easy for those of us who have grown up in the church to go, yes, yes, when Jesus comes back, he promises in Revelation that every tear will be wiped, that there will be no more tears in heaven. And that's great and that's glorious. And yes, in some sense, Jesus, when he says, blessed are those, approved are those who are mourned, they will be comforted. He is speaking about that. But it's a both and here. He's also speaking about right now. What did Paul tell us in Corinthians? The God who brings comfort comforts you so, why? So that you can comfort others with the comfort you have received. God does this two exciting ways for us. The first way is that he gives us Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the one who is the great comforter. And that Holy Spirit speaks to us. And what's the greatest comfort that we receive from the Holy Spirit? It is to remind us that we are sons and daughters of the Most High King. Romans reminds us that the Holy Spirit speaks to us, testifies to our hearts, and tells us you are children of God. You are dearly loved, that you are pursued steadfastly by the one that created the world. He looks at us and he says, the way that you comfort, you are comforted, is by the Holy Spirit, this gift that I have given to you. In fact, Jesus in John says, when the comforter comes, you will know. How amazing it is for us to have something that is outside and within us, some mystical way that it's hard for me to even try and comprehend, let alone explain to you. But in faith, I reach out and say, yes, Holy Spirit, comfort me. Comfort those who are near me. Remind them that they are the children of God that they are in Christ and Christ alone, that nothing will separate them from the love of God, as Romans goes on to say to us. So the first way is the Holy Spirit gives us comfort. And so where you are mourning, reach out and call out to Holy Spirit. Say, come and comfort me. I need your comfort. I need your rest. But the second way is to go back to that 2 Corinthians passage. The second way that we are comforted in the here and now is with each other. We need to be able to step into each other's lives in a place of comfort, that we cry with those who cry and we dance with those who dance. We sing and we celebrate and we gnash our teeth and rage against the sin that has befallen us. We do all of that together because you were never created to be alone. You were never created in isolation. Yes, you've been saved particularly by who you are, But in doing that, he brought you into a family. He brought you into a body, which is this place, this gathering. And not just this gathering, but the gathering of all other believers all over the world at all time and space. But look around. You just happen to be with these folks here. And that means that we are each other's comfort. 
We are the face of God to one another. We are the ones who look at the tears that are falling down and reach out not to say, buck up, little camper, turn that frown upside down, but we reach out and we put our hands on their face and we wipe their tears away and say, we know more tears are coming, but they are holy to God because they remind us of the comfort that is to come. Folks, that means we have to know each other deeply. That means we have to spend time with one another so that we can be in each other's lives in ways that allow us to know when the other person is hurting. Because one thing that we've learned in this world is you can't be sad, and if you can't be sad, if you are sad, you better not let people know about it. Because they'll think something's wrong with you. And so have we gotten to the place with one another where we can look at each other and know you might be putting on a great face, but your heart is broken. How awesome it will be as God weaves us together deeply in the knowledge of his love for one another when we're able to look at one another and say, how can I comfort you? I know you are hurting. And how wonderful it will be when we are hurting and in desperation and we just don't want people to know because we don't want them to think that we failed at something, that we're just happy, but we can't smile. That they come up and they put their arm around us. Or they leave us completely alone because they know putting an arm around us might not be the thing that we need for comfort. Because they know us so well. Blessed are those who mourn. Do you see how radical it is as Jesus pronounces what it means to be in his kingdom? To say kingdom people are those who are the most realistic about life? Those of us who are in the kingdom are the most realistic about life. We're more than willing to admit that there are things that make us mourn. Because we know that in the admitting of it, in the act of mourning, we are approved by God. We know this because Jesus himself mourned. That when Christ was here, the full manifestation of God, he looked out over the city and he cried. Lazarus passed away. He knew he was going to raise him from the dead. And he wept. That his heart was troubled. And the response of a troubled heart is to mourn. So Jesus sets the example for us to walk with one another in the places of mourning. Approved, blessed, happy, flourishing are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Let me pray for us. Father, you are good. And all you do is good. We thank you that you rest upon us, that you allow us to be realistic when we face the world, that we can say there is troubles. And you call us to recognize them and to mourn over them as you mourned. But you did not leave us alone. You gave us Holy Spirit in each other. So let us love one another well by stepping into the place of comfort for those who are mourning today. 
Jesus, do all this. If there are any words that are not yours, Father, let them burn up and go away. But if these words are your words, let them take root in our heart so that they will bring glory to you. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Would you stand up as we sing together? Thank you.